This week on Ultra 64, join us aboard the space station Silicon Valley, where life uh, finds a way. Welcome to Ultra 64. We are the Internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week we are going through and playing a randomly selected game from the Nintendo 64 catalog. We play it for an hour. We talk about it until we're tired of talking about it. And then we move on with our lives, and you should too. My name is Steve Bentley. I am sassy robotic assistant Woody Siskowski. Welcome. Bleep, bleep, bleep. Bleep, yeah, bleep uh, bloop. <laughs> I am your podcast robot slave. That's, I mean, it's, I've always wanted one. Always who wanted hasn't? One. And if Sarah Koenig was not available, then, you know, I'm glad you were able to fill in. Uh, if I sound like I've been awake for 48 hours, it's because I basically have been, so I apologize if I'm slurring you're words. All, you're always apologizing, Steve. You're well, like, I'm like, I'm sick. I haven't slept. Man, I'm on a run this week. Yeah, last <laughs> week I'm all sick. This week I haven't slept. Next week, like, my hands are going to fall off. Yep, that's how uh, it works. That's the progression. The Hansen's disease. That's what I've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so as I said, we're this week we're talking about space station silicon valley a charmingly weird little game that i had not heard of well i'd, I'd heard of it obviously because i bought it but i didn't know <laughs> i had no idea what it was you, about so you bought all your games blindfolded i did like just fill my hands yeah. sir um so uh, as we do in the as we have done in the past with games that uh, we don't know what they're about, we've farmed this out to our listeners to write in and tell us what you think these games are about. And once again, oh fuck, you guys delivered! It's awesome. You guys did great. Uh, so we're gonna go back and forth reading some of your responses. Some of these were a little brief uh, Facebook comments. Some were a little more involved short stories, but uh, they're, <laughs> they're all pretty all awesome. Welcome. Uh, this first one comes from Benjamin Curley, who writes. It is the year 3000, and rents in the greater San Francisco area have become so extreme that entry-level tech company employees are forced to live on an orbiting space station to afford their housing. Build your living space as you progress from Japanese-style capsule bed to sharing an 800-square-foot cabin with three other people. Manage your time between trying to eat and sleep with the four-hour commute back to Earth and subsidize your stay by letting a shady company put up cameras to watch you 24-7. Because in the year 3000, there are no petting zoos. Only human zoos. I like that. Wow, that's, that I'm gonna. That's not what this game is about. But I that is a wonderful premise for a, a simulation game. I'm feeling like this uh, is like The Sims meets Moon with Sam Rockwell. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is a good idea. I like this. Uh, here, why don't you take that one? This one is okay. from at O Four Mouse on Twitter. Okay. At O Four Mouse writes. In the distant future, the only remnant of humanity is aboard a lone space shuttle floating endlessly across the abyss. Once a promising project from the tech-obsessed 21st century America, now it is nothing but a shell of its former self. Generations have come and passed, and the dead Earth has shifted into legend. But now the robots meant to serve us have rebelled, and with war threatening to break out of the fragile station, the last humans in the universe must scavenge whatever they can and fight for their lives on the space station Silicon Valley. I love how many people looked at the cover of this with its puffy cartoon animals and interpreted something very dark. It's pretty great. I like that. Also, that sounds like... um, 
the premise that's about to be interrupted by an Ovaltine commercial. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Coming up next, <laughs> Space Station Silicon Valley. Oh, man. When I was in science class in, like, eighth grade, my teacher put on old VHS tapes of a show called Space 1999. Nice. It's all about people forming colonies on Jupiter. And it's like, wow, we missed the mark so bad. And that was from, like, the 60s. Like, they were really optimistic. Uh, this next one comes from Elliot Kosanke. Uh Robot animals break loose from captivity on a space station and attack their oppressive owners in a bloodthirsty tale of revenge. It's Animal Farm, Alien, and Kill Bill wrapped into <laughs> one game, which is, I mean, not far That's off. That's the closest one so far. But again, there's, there, there's a cutesiness that people are not tuning into. Okay, this one is from Nicole Batiste, a person <laughs> I, I am familiar her. with. Um, robot dogs have taken over all finance in the known galaxy. <laughs> this space station is in charge of tech development and also defense against the robot cat empire that has been threatening to overtake the dog's iron rule. The cats are making their move. Oh, no. Uh, I, I just, it's odd that they control all the finance in the known <laughs> galaxy. Because when you think of dogs, you think of their sharp financial acumen. <laughs> exactly. Like, Pixie's would, passed out under the desk right now, yeah. and I want her to do my taxes. I would definitely have taken that the other direction, because to me, like, cats seem like they would make much better accountants. They're much more logical. Like, if I was making, math. like, a stupid Disney movie or DreamWorks movie about, like, some kind of city only run by animals, which... Patent pending. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> cats would be the accountants, not dogs. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, and plus they have longer memories all alone in the moon. Oh, can I stop that? Uh, the next one here comes from Gerald Fruholtz. In a future animal testing lab, two subjects escape into Neo England. They are Snitter and Rofe. <laughs> <laughs> they are they are on the run, and life in the wild reverts them back into wild animals. With the help of the Todd, a sly <laughs> rocket fox, they manage to survive hunting space sheep. As time passes, Snitter's mind experiment leads to growing hallucinations and Akira powers. As Ralph's distrust of man stews, can they ever find peace? Maybe on a distant planet? Also, they are believed to have a space plague, further complicating their story. I love the uh, the casual... Oh, also they have space plague. I was uh, I was drinking water while you read that, and I very closely did a spit take with Snitter. What was, with Snitter, yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's one of the rare, like, uh, uh, organic spit takes I've ever <laughs> encountered in my life. <laughs> Um, I also just have a, when he said Akira Powers, I was just imagining that whole thing was like, Snitter! Because, you know, Akira is just like, Tetsuo! The whole time is that movie. I, I, I thought I would, like, exaggerated that in my head, how often they no. say, Tetsuo! Kaneda! No, it's really, like, half the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Great movie, though. Um, my guess... Oh, this is from Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. So a whole yeah. podcast wrote us. Yeah. Now the podcasts have become sentient and are communicating with other podcasts. Patent pending. Yeah. <laughs> My guess is one of those Bible games, and instead of an arc, it's the space station, and you need to repopulate another planet. And each level use a different animal to beat the level, and after you beat the level, that animal repopulated the level, just like Sonic. Which Sure. I, Oh, right. Like it's the, the end of Sonic 2. No, it's like the end of Sonic 2 where you there's the little uh, metal capsule and you step on the oh, pad sure. and then all the animals get released back into the level. Oh, is that what you're doing? So yeah, they can, because like, they've the all been turned... off and like, fuck? Yeah, they've like, all been weird. turned into like the robotic minions. Like, okay. That's why when you jump on them, like the little animals pop out. 
Um, I need to see, I need to see the Jim Carrey movie later this year to uh, fully explain what the yeah. The Sonic so that will explain is. all the all the yeah. canon. Also, the implication of this theory is that the gameplay of this is just going out and having sex with other animals. And That's Viva Pinata, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all of these cubivore. So far, I would play all of these. Um, here's a short one from Danny Klein. Uh, it cl- it is clearly the story about Elon Musk's biomechanical abominations aboard his tech orbital platform, seeking revenge on their creator for giving them such twisted forms in which to live. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Actually, this it, is the guy who launched a rock into space just because. So yeah, yeah, why not? We've got another short one there. Okay, excellent. This is from Zach Lubow. As for the box, this is clearly a Chinese bootleg of the Mecha Phantom Beast cards from Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, a I, reference that's lost <laughs> on me entirely. <laughs> I, yes, I have played some Yu-Gi-Oh, but I do not know the Mecha Phantom Beast card. But I, I feel like I would recognize some of the Hero Clicks figures, and that's it. <laughs> you recognize a Dark Magician? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe that one. There was there was one that somebody when when I was playing more regularly, Exodia, like, the, the giant Exodia, the big black dragon or something. Oh, yeah. that was always there were so many up. dragons in Yu-Gi-Oh. There was like a blue eyes dark dragon and a golden eyes purple dragon. Yeah, and I don't Yu-Gi-Oh is weird. <laughs> That's the take away. Uh, well, that is uh, that's all we have so far. So thank you guys for writing those in. Those are awesome. I like all of these. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to read what the actual plot is about, and you guys tell me the only, who you be- think is closest. Before we get into that too much, the main yeah. thing I remember from this game, and I, I've never played this game, but I've, I've I own it as well, and I've always kind of wanted to play it because uh-huh. I there was a weird spread in a Nintendo Power magazine, and I just remember this cartoony superhero character with his finger up his nose, and for some reason that made me really want to play the game. I mean, uh-huh. that worked for me for Boogerman. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I thought it had some relation to Clay Fighter or something. <laughs> um and so I'm glad I finally got a chance to play it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what is it actually about? Well, in 2001, scientists built the world's most advanced space station so called the Silicon some Valley. Some of you guys nailed it. Some of you guys nailed that part. Uh, they filled it with multiple species of animals, and they launched it into space, kind of as like an experiment to test the sustainability of life in orbit. Uh, but shortly after reaching orbit, it vanished without a trace. It was thought permanently lost. But in the year 3000, it mysteriously reappeared in orbit around Uranus, title of your sex tape. Uh, the government spent, sent five separate missions to investigate it, but all of those teams disappeared. And uh, once they've run out of money and options, the government finally decides to send the dorky human Dan Danger and his robot friend Evo in a last-ditch effort to figure out what happened. So their ship crashes... Dan is trapped in the wreckage, and Evo is almost completely destroyed except for one sentient microchip. And even worse, all the animals on the space station have mutated and evolved to be partly robotic. And luckily, Evo is able to attach himself to the robo-critters, and he can take control of them to help navigate through the station and stop it before it crashes into Earth. Um, So it is a body-swapping platforming game set in space, and that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love it, that idea. I love. I absolutely love that. I think it's charming as hell. It's really weird. It, the the story sort of almost seems in canon with uh, two thousand one. Like, yeah. Somehow I get that same. Do you read the series, the two thousand one series? Like no. Three, I never did. Well, the third book in that series is three thousand one, where I think Dave Bowman, mm. um, one of the guys who got shot up in the initial mission, like gets frozen in space. Okay. And then they like bring him down and unfreeze him, and he's like developed cosmic awareness. Oh. Um. I. That seemed like it was a tighter connection in my head. Um, to the, I guess I was just thinking, like, lost for a thousand years and then brought back. Yeah. Um, I always uh, like that as an idea for a story, too. Just, like, I mean, that's a really extreme example. But, like, 
Uh, a movie that I really like, even though I know it's not very good, is called Fire in the Sky. And uh, it's an alien abduction movie. And that's like the crux of it is a guy is taken by aliens and he reappears like naked on a bus stop like four miles away or something weird like that like several days later and uh that it's it's a really good movie and i like mysteries like that like where there's no explanation for it and just um, in in that sentence you said a movie that i like even though it's not very good yes. fire in the sky and then at the end of that you mm. said it's a really good movie it's really, good. really evolved over you know i had one time minute to think about it in my sleep addled brain and uh, i decided in retrospect yes. it's really good you know what there's more parts that i like than i don't so that's I certainly that's like kind of a, a really intriguing premise to this game and you, Sort of once you dive into the gameplay of this itself, you don't like that's a very ornate story. Yeah. You don't really get the sense of that story in the gameplay. Not really. Which, no, this is mostly like from reading the manual, a pretty long manual like story description. So um, it has a cute, I kind of boiled it. Down. It has a cute little intro movie where we meet Danger Dan and his robot mm. buddy, and they're arguing in their spaceship. Um, right. it, it uses that uh, the banjo kazooie mumbles. I don't yeah. think any game has done it quite as well as Banjo-Kazooie because Banjo-Kazooie no. did a really good job of sort of syncing up the dialogue with that sound. Yeah, um, like with the, the type moving along with the little sounds. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Whereas in this game, they kind of just make a blanket noise and then for regardless of how long the dialogue is. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's still – it's got a charming look. Mm-hmm. Uh this is not the first game that's done this kind of mechanic. I don't know, but it's a weird mechanic that I like of being able to swap bodies to solve puzzles and try different things. So, yeah. like, the first game that did it was called Paradroid in 1985. It was for the Commodore 64. Um, but this is one of the few that's, like, built around it. But there's some other examples, like Geist, which is a, a Nintendo first-person shooter for the GameCube. It kept getting pushed back. It kept yeah. getting pushed back and pushed back. And uh, when it finally came out, like, people kind of ignored it. But it's a pretty fun game. Like, you can possess a bowl of dog food <laughs> and use it to fight people with it. Uh, there's Ghost Trick, which we are both really big fans yeah, of. Yeah, Ghost like, Trick's it, really cool. And that's not really a platform game. But no, it's not definitely really. a puzzle game. And you can jump. You, the tricky thing about that is you can jump from inanimate object to inanimate object. You have to use the possession just to move around. Exactly, yeah. So you, you climb into the ceiling fan, and then you need to be able to turn it on. And then freeze time so you can jump out of the ceiling fan onto a bookshelf, things like like that yeah. it's really great it's on nintendo ds it's from the creators of the phoenix wright game so it's if you got like an those. interesting story too yeah it's it's it a going. it's a whole lot and then of there, there's a really big possession game that, very uh, big sort of yeah came out and i mean didn't come out of nowhere but sort of had this mechanic not where you would see it yeah and, and then, that would be of course super mario odyssey yeah. which uh yeah you use your little <laughs> sentient mario hat to possess other people which is such a disturbing like you know, in Geist, where you play a ghost, it makes sense, but it's yeah. so creepy coming from Mario. Because like, where is does, Mario doing? Where what? is his soul? Where is his brain? <laughs> like, when he possesses the T-Rex, what what happens? Does the soul of the T-Rex leave? Are they in there does battling? Does not have for, a soul because it's an animal? For or? superiority? Like, it's very odd. And, like, Mario's body has to fuse with the body of the hat so that he can, like... His consciousness is put into the hat. Yeah, it's very strange. Do you yeah. think he has like after the whole adventure is done, he's just got stretch marks everywhere, <laughs> or he just he's just like a tw- he's just a twitching mass in like <laughs> solitary confinement, Cronenbergian yeah. like naked mass of nerves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's Mario Odyssey, a <laughs> Cronenbergian naked mass of nerves. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and there's but, an, yeah, that, there's that like features of uh, in Prey, the most recent Prey game, which is a lot, a lot of fun. Um, it's kind of like. Um, Little bit, mostly Bioshock, I would say, is the closest comparison, but mm-hmm. it's got a lot of like open world exploration and stuff like that, and it's scary and it's fun. 
And uh, there's a game called Everything. Did you play that one? It's like a little no, indie game. No, but it, it was sort of, it, it's more of just kind of a tech demo than a game. Not so I much mean, a like, game, yeah. yeah, but you can jump from thing to thing. Literally, you can be anything in the game. You can be like, everything. Everything, yes. yeah. Everything and anything, and yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this game. Uh, so Space Station Silicon Valley was released on October 21st, 1998. It was developed by DMA Design and published by Take-Two Interactive. And it was Nintendo 64 exclusive in the States, but it was released on the Game Boy Color and on the PlayStation in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm sure, again, I'm going to say this again, I'm sure the Game Boy Color version of this game is unbelievably different. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, we, we call it a port because it uses the same title, came out on the same day, and it uses whatever mechanics they can carry over. But, yeah, it's going to be different. It just has to be different. Sort of know? finally in the last five you know five years with the Vita and Switch, they finally mm-hmm. got to the point where you could actually have ports. Right. Or I guess maybe the PSP, I felt, was like the first system. That has where like cinematic. They would, would have like a port and you would like play a God of War game that felt like, oh, this is like the same as the PS2. Man, um, that thing cramped the hell out of my thumbs. It's not like, a comfortable system. It's really not. They fixed it a yeah. bit with the Vita. The yeah. Vita I really, really like. It's a weird-ass system. But the little nubbin on the PSP like hurts my thumbs so bad. Yeah. So I had to stop playing mine. <laughs> uh, so this game has kind of a weirdly troubled production. Um it was ordered as part of a three-game deal with a company called BMG Games, along with a game called Tanktics, like Tactics with Tanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really hard to say, the Tanktics, Tanktics. <laughs> and uh, the original Grand Theft Auto was part of this package as well. Uh, the games were meant to be developed for either Windows, PS1, or Saturn, because those were the most popular of 1995. Uh, but when Take-Two bought BMG in 1997, they wanted to shift production over to the N64, which is why Grand Theft Auto was briefly considered as a Nintendo 64 platform exclusive wow. in its early development. And then, of course, it wound up never arriving on the system ever. <laughs> um, so the rush development eventually came together. Uh, but as our listener Aaron George pointed out on our Facebook page, the game is not finished and it has a couple of bugs in it <laughs> that prevent you from ever finishing it. Uh, most notably, the Fat Bear Mountain level, uh, you can't collect the trophy to finish the level. So it's impossible to get 100% in this game unless you use a Game Shark to go through and rewrite the code in that <laughs> level. And uh, so the game was ported to PlayStation under a different title. It was called Evo's Space Adventure. And that one came out in 2000 in Europe. But the, that glitch is still there. They had two years to fix <laughs> that glitch, and they didn't. Which is why uh, the blog Hardcore Gaming 101 called this one of the laziest ports of all time. Because <laughs> they, they took two years, they crapped out a, a worse looking version of this game. They didn't and fix they kept the game breaking glitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, uh, and they artists also did it like way late in the PlayStation development cycle when no one could care about it. Uh, the game is a very distinctly British style, uh, and it seems to kind of be paying homage to like the Ardman films, like Wallace and Gromit and stuff like that. But was, from, so was this when? When was the first Wallace and Gromit film? That was nineteen ninety-two. Oh, yeah. Okay, weird. I guess that. I didn't realize that was so old. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember. I watched those pretty early on. I was obsessed with those. I those love are those great. things. Um, but that was actually not even intentional on their part. <laughs> they. Once they moved production over to the Nintendo 64 and they saw what their character models looked like and they saw that everything looked kind of shiny and puffy, they're like, let's just, let's just go with this. And let's actually, just, let's yeah, make this now, that, now that you mention it, that really fits because it's like um, the, the Danger Dan, your hero, looks a lot, a lot like uh, Wallace. Yeah, a lot. And yeah. um, Gromit, who, you know, like if you say Gromit's the sidekick and the robot, the robot or Gromit is the one who actually does everything. Exactly, yeah. And uh, Wallace or Dan just kind of sits there like a moron in the spaceship. He's got a lot looking, of ideas very and a smug. lot of dreams and yeah. no talent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, so yeah, they didn't really know what it was going to look like. And I finally, they just kind of went with it. It's just like, all right, well, they look like that. Let's just lean into the goofiness. And, you know, rare games were very popular at this time and they have that similar kind of sense of humor as well. So I think, yeah, it was having a moment for whatever reason. Um, yeah, despite the production snags, the game, uh, was reviewed well, uh, at the time and uh, the development team wanted to make a sequel, but it had the misfortune of being released within a few weeks of Ocarina of Time mm. and, uh, Nintendo's marketing muscle was pretty much completely occupied on that, which I get it. Um, but yeah, this one kind of got a little buried. It kind of got lost in the shuffle and it didn't sell very well. Um, and I mean, again, if you're, you you know, games are expensive. You have a certain budget for what you're going to buy at any given time. Um, this game, spoiler alert, this game is not better than Ocarina of Time. No, So that's I'm probably sorry. what you spent your money on, and you probably made a good choice. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's probably true. But, uh, well, let's talk about the game itself and how it plays. So right off the bat, I want to say that this game charmed the ever-loving socks off me. Uh, mm. I love the ideas. I love yeah. the style of it. And if that camera didn't just suck Ooh. so very bad, even if it just sucked a little less, now bear in mind, this would be a classic. We have a Nintendo 64 podcast. So we've we have, seen we've, our share. We, yeah, we're not like surprised by bad cameras. We've no. dealt with a lot of cameras here. And this is not, I, I still think our record holder for worst camera ever is Starshot Space Circus Fever. For well, the, my in, in the platform, worst camera ever is uh, Beast Wars Transmetals. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That which I agree was with. Which spinning around the whole time. Um, the, the lesson that we have learned about cameras in mm. games is, contrary to what you might initially think, it's better to have a camera that does too little yes. than a camera that does too much. Because we all probably have memories of Mario 64, mm. of Mario sort of being obscured behind a platform and you not being able to see him at all. Which is certainly annoying, but, there's but a way it's out of that. much yeah. less annoying... Than having a camera that every time you move, the camera spins along with you. Right. So imagine like the camera is mounted to a pole on your back. You know, it's it's like an eight foot long pole. So every time you turn, it's going to align, but it's going to wobble and it's going to spin real fast to like snap to you. Yeah. And I mean, and I made the mistake of eating two burgers from Dairy Queen before I came here. <laughs> um, but I had to look away from the screen a couple times oh, as yeah. we played, yeah. especially when we were in that speedy racing mouse. And oh, you're that sort racing of spinning mouse. around in a circle and the camera is just going a little fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most of this game is is really cute. Um the, the thing that did creep me out is you're technically playing as, like you said earlier, a sentient microchip. Yeah. And did you see the movie Upgrade? Yes. Um, yeah. it, it definitely reminded me I of that. Of like oh the God. evil, the evil chip that's sort of going in and controlling these animals' consciousness and teaching them kung fu yes. oh and making them fight each other. Oh, <laughs> I really want them to like update this game and like work with the makers of Upgrade or something. And like, that's make a, that's crossover. actually a wonderful idea. Um, I mean. Yeah, for, you know, obviously Super Mario Odyssey is a wonderful game, but yeah. it would be cool to have another game that was sort of built more on this just, like... Because the, the possession in Mario Odyssey is, you know, a cornerstone of it, but it's still, like, at its heart, a platforming Mario sure. type of and game. And you're fairly limited. There's only about yeah, a dozen exactly. or so things you can jump so into. So, basically, like, an open-world game where you can sort of jump from these bo- bodies to bodies or take control of different animals yeah. and things like that, um, I think would have a, a good home. And Absolutely. Sort of, you can level up. Yeah, like it, you put in RPG elements so you can level up your chip so that each person you possess can learn you know, specific skills right. depending on what you've leveled up. 
And I feel like I may have uh, glazed over a little bit, but uh, this game being developed by DMA Designs, they are now known as Rockstar North. Oh, yes. A.K.A. the creators of the Grand Theft Auto series, A.K.A. the biggest moneymaker video games ever. Uh, and this is kind of like a proto-Grand Theft Auto. You could see some of the DNA mm-hmm. in this and in another game we're going to talk about called Body Harvest. Uh, you see the early thought process that went into what we think of when we think of Grand Theft Auto games. Like this one, I would say the carjacking mechanics probably came from this game. Yeah. Uh, which is, so if you think about it like that, it's like really fun. It's like you you're carjacking a sheep, you know? <laughs> Sheepjacking. Yeah, exactly. Which actually, don't call it sheep. Don't call it sheepjacking. Yeah, that's a different game. You don't want to look that up. <laughs> um, yeah, so. And the game does a good job at providing... Um, when they, all the levels in this game are very small. Um, I think one thing that sort of holds this game back is um, everything seems very limited and contained. You basically, there's about, I think, four or five worlds. There's about 30 levels, and so there's about, you know, eight levels per world. Mm-hmm. Um, you start just this generic green European world, and then the next level is snow. Um but each level just has about three missions mm-hmm. that is just like hit these levers, um, take control of a sheep, take control of a coyote. Um, and then once you do that, you can beat the level. And so, like, if you know what you're doing, you can beat a lot of these in probably f- three, four minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can blast uh, through these. But... but each level also has a trophy, which you can, each level has little energy balls that you can collect um, just to increase your percentage on the level, as well as a trophy that you get from doing a variety of tasks. Like in the first level, or the second one, you play as a mouse and have to race a dog around the track. Right. And in another level, you sort of um, ride a platform and then have to do some tricky jumps as a rabbit mm-hmm. um, to get the trophy. And so I think it does a good job of being like, Simple to just progress through quickly, sure. but also have something there if you want to go back and, like, there's some animals that you really like to play as. There's also a lot of animals in this game. There's a lot of animals. What um, did you find? I, out? There, like I think there's something? 43 different animals you can control. That's pretty impressive. That's a pretty impressive variety of I things. Mean, and they all control differently. Well... And some of them are controlled oh, better than others. Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, I think some of them are just reskins, like hy- hy- Hyena is just a snow dog. Sure. Um, yeah. I, yeah, and they're yeah, so it's it's like A for run and B for bark. And I never totally figured out what the two different energy bars are. So it's like the so you you get a little meter at the bottom, like it's a green bar and a blue bar and they each have like a little ball on the end. Yeah, so one has the, your health. Mm-hmm. Um and then the little balls are some animals have things that you can like hold down. So like the mouse has if you hold A you'll go fast, but your blue bar to match the color of you know, the A button being blue will deplete, and so you can't boost forever. Yeah. Or, like, if you hold your tail out to spear things, you will run out of energy as well. Right. And so, yeah, the little sphere tends to go down, but the bar seems to be your health and then your enemy's, your enemy's health. health. Yeah, the, bo- right? your, your, the top one is your health, the bottom one's your enemy's health. Which is, it's just a little confusing, because normally if you see that, if it's the same color, you see, like, a green bar leading into a green sphere... You think one is feeding into the other. That's just kind of the natural oh, thing. Oh, yeah. These I don't seem to be mean. that connected. No. Yeah. No. So it's just a little confusing. But, I mean, that's it's a minor quibble. I yeah. mean, we figured it out pretty quickly. And if you want to, like, just jump into a different animal, you just weaken them with your little attack, whatever you have. And uh, then you press R once they're stunned. And your chip will jump out into the other one. And it's creepy the way the chip moves around. It wanders like a little spider. Yeah. And you lose health the longer you're, like, not attached to a body. Yeah, the chip can't survive without no. just out in the wild. Yeah, you can't fight anything. You can't jump or anything. So you just have to... You have to find the nearest host body you can. And sometimes you can't find it and you die a horrible death. 
Um, so we played as a couple different animals. We played. Uh, we start with the dog, right? Yeah. That was the first one we did. And the dog is a very basic uh, run, bark, bite. This game starts out in a very dark way. Of <laughs> there's a love story going on oh, between yeah. <laughs> a, a sheep and a dog. The dog. I don't remember their names, but uh, oh, it was like uh, 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 Flossie and Rex or something. Okay, like that. Yeah. yeah. So Rex is the dog, and he's mm. like, "Oh, Flossie, I love you." And the sheep comes up and gives him a kiss, and then Rex like jumps around and celebrates. And then Dan's rocket comes down and just smashes <laughs> the dog Rex. over. Oh um, my god! Bear in mind, these are all robot animals. Sure, but yeah. they have—I don't know—they've merged with physical animals at some point. So they uh, yeah. started as fleshy animals and they're sentient like yeah. they're, they're speaking to each other right you know? exactly and, and also you... i don't understand how dog plus sheep equals robot um something happened evolutionarily along the way in that spaceship well it's so also creepy because it's like implying that these two animals have a relationship and later you're going to control rex's body and use it to bite <laughs> Flossie and yeah, knock her yeah. out which is pretty weird <laughs> you kill your good you you take the corpse of your dead dog you use it to kill his lover and then possess her body yep. so yeah this is family fun <laughs> all around uh yeah, it's such a weird quirky little idea for a game and the levels are short like we talked about uh cubivore in one of our uh, lost or uh, canceled games episodes yeah. and uh this has a lot of that same dna and apparently it was supposed to be closer to it in the early development stages where you're like doesn't, preying on larger and larger it doesn't creatures. have that inexplicable japanese weirdness right um this is more then, british uh knowing weirdness yeah, yeah like intentional monty python-esque weirdness mm-hmm. um but yeah this you you see a lot of the dna in that stuff these biomes and things like that and finding bigger and bigger animals with better powers. And I think, I mean, we just played through a, lot, a couple of the early levels, but I think that's the thing that holds this game back is that none of the challenges that you have to do are very interesting. They're like, go to this machine and hit the levers. Yeah. Um, take control of this animal. Um, like, it would be a lot better. It's, it's a, This game has a lot in common with Banjo-Kazooie if Banjo-Kazooie was only the mumbo-jumbo sections, like where he transforms you into different animals, like when you're the seal or the ant and you sort of go meet other things. Um, And I feel like if this game was sort of had sort of more of an interconnected world with more secrets that you could get by being different animals... Yeah. um, it, people might have more memories of it as being like a there's, really cool game. There's a minor degree of that. Like there were sections in the levels we found. Like it wasn't our objective to ever do any of this. But if right. you take possession of a sheep, then you can jump up onto these harder to reach platforms right. that you can't get with other animals and get these power spheres. And yeah, but uh, it doesn't push that on you. But I like that that option's there if you want to explore a little bit. And I do like that you have different approaches for how to uh, complete missions. Mm-hmm. Like. One of them, the early ones, you have to gather four sheep and put them into a pen, you know. Yeah. So so you can go about this a couple of ways. You can either knock out all the sheep, take possession of their bodies, and run them into the pen and then leave their corpses there. Yeah. Or you can herd them like a regular sheepdog would and, like, bark at them and scare them until they're inside the pen. And that, or you I mean, can use clever. your game shot to alter the code of the game sure. and just put them in just the pen. Just put them there. <laughs> just fix the things that they were all supposed to do. But, I mean, I like that it has that flexibility, and I like that it's equally... I would say it was about equally easy for either yeah. option. Like, you know, they both had their strengths and weaknesses, you know, and uh, and you also maybe don't want to kill the sheep. Yeah. You know? Maybe um, you're an, e- an ethical uh, biogeneticist. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh. Yeah. So I don't really know. There's not too much else to say about Space Station Silicon Valley. I, I really liked what's here, and it's maddening to me that it's not better because I feel like I feel like this is a little hidden classic in the making 
and it's just it, it's a little too flawed and a little too weird. It's a game to get there. where the the premise is well done, um, and it's got a really it's got a good idea, um, but it doesn't quite explore that enough. Right. Um, in sort of creating most of the ta- I don't know. I'll say this again. Most of the tasks just aren't that interest. Like I just. Yeah wanted more a variety of what you have to do um and if they could integrate the story into things a little better like it's never clear why you herding sheep into a pen has anything to do with stopping the space station from true. hitting earth yeah like so if there were more characters to meet or someone to talk to like yeah i the if this game had a fic a better camera mm. that was not that's, so that's irritating that's one. definitely number one yeah the, um, yeah like i said this is not the worst one we've seen but it's pretty close yeah, yeah it's it's pretty bad and it, and it matters more because it's a much better game than star shot because you don't care that Starshot has a crappy camera because you don't want to play that game anyway. This game because he's I, a villain. Yeah, yeah, this game I would much rather play. Yeah, um, but the camera does kind of make that less appealing. Yeah, um, yeah, and there's just not really. It's also um, generally a pretty family friendly game aside yeah. from some of the weird the connotations of <laughs> yeah, what you're the, doing the weirdness yeah. of taking control of the bodies um it's not I a mean, very violent game if your kid is old enough to be reading national geographic you're probably fine yeah, yeah. uh but yeah yeah nothing nothing uh and it's it's pleasant it's got a, a nice goofy vibe to it and uh yeah you don't have lives you don't have continues you don't have checkpoints which is a bummer so you have to redo the level every time right which is probably why it's good that it's not the levels aren't much longer exactly but. yeah they're kind of little capsule size it's it's almost like captain toad you know that a little capsule size yeah. puzzle worlds that you take on and one thing i did really appreciate is once we beat the three world three levels in the first world even though there were like eight levels in that world the first world of the second level oh sorry the first world the first level of the second world also go. opened up yes. you think i would get the stage level world thing down by now I they've know, only been I using it for as long as i've been alive <laughs> um and so i appreciated that you could choose then between whether you wanted to go to the snow world or the next level of the european world because i feel right. like this game also you could get moments where you could get stuck and frustrated so it's nice to have some options yeah I would like to see this come back in some capacity. If somebody took the initiative to make an HD updated version of this with better controls, like I love the idea of it, and I think it would, I think it would find an audience if it was marketed a little better and uh, just a couple of little things were polished. But yeah, I think I yeah. think better controls and better camera would go a really long way um, because they would make sort of the tedium of most of the tasks more pleasant. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, I, I have no problem going around hitting levers if the game controls well. Yeah. But if the game doesn't control well, it's not that fun to go around hitting levers. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think Rockstar has anything else going on right no, now. They have no I other mean, franchises. No, no. I don't. The Grand Theft Auto has been dead year for years. Red Dead Redemption was a flop. Yeah, yeah, so, massive failure. Uh, I think they're banking all their hopes on that table tennis game for the 360. Yeah, but, uh, it's going to be the state of emergency table tennis crossover. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's move on to our rankings. Uh, so each week we ta- uh, rank the game that we have just played based on the conversations that we have just had. Do you want to start off with that? Sure, I yeah, will start off ahead. with that. Um, I'm going to put this one at number... Th- oh, how many get... We have like 100... I don't know, 115, oh, something are, like that. On no, we're list. up to 126. Okay. Yeah. So I'm putting this game at number 38, and out of 126, that's pretty good. Pretty damn good. Um, that's right under Conker's Bad Fur Day, which is a game that many people have very fond memories of, um, and yeah. I feel like it's about on par with this game. Yeah, I think it's a little more polished. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, definitely more polished. Yeah, it definitely has yeah. more character, and the voice acting is nice. Um, but this game is sort of lighter, um, not as frustrating as yeah. that game. Um, 
because that game certainly has its fair share of control issues, and that's a that's a game by Rare, so I'm right. sort of holding it to a higher standard. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah. Whereas this is not a game. This is more of a scrappy underdog kind yeah. of thing. But yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, for me, I'm putting it a little lower, but only because like I couldn't really justify in my head putting it higher than some of these other games. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be number 46 for me, which puts it right underneath the NFL Blitz games. Okay. Uh, just because, yeah. It's a very I, big discrepancy from us is our NFL Blitz is, games. I think it's about a 30-place difference. I mean, you cause... you have three of them in your top 10, and all of mine are down in <laughs> yeah. the low 30s, which is still pretty good it's for a football game It's very high for a football game. Very yeah. high for me. Uh, and I would say I would still probably rather go back to those yeah. that before i would go back to this but uh i like a lot of what's going on here and i think this has one of the most distinctive personalities of any game we've played on this show like it's really got its own thing going on in a really cool way and uh i just wish it had been executed just a little bit better not even a lot better <laughs> yeah. just like a tiny bit better a few little tweaks would have really put this over the edge for me like i I really am on the cusp of loving this game uh, if that fucking camera wasn't uh, wasn't messing with me. Uh, all right, well, we have a letter to read, and Excellent. I'm going to drag that up here. Uh, if you want to write into us, you certainly can write into uh, ultra64podcast at gmail.com. This one comes from Dude Pal 2021. He's, he's everyone's Dude Pal. He's everyone's Dude Pal. That's a Aqua Teen Hunger Force That's reference. The, uh, oh, I thought it was like <clears throat> uh, the... Pillows that they sold in Japan, but they sell them for women. Like a, you need oh, a, like a, a dude pal, like, like have this, pal, this yeah. huggable pillow sure. shaped like a like a dude. Okay, mm. yeah, I don't think women are that desperate. I, I think men I are the only not. weird ones like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, so uh, dude pal twenty twenty one writes. After the Shadows of the Empire episode, I was wondering if you ever used cheat codes while playing these mm. games because I definitely did. Then in the Harvest Moon episode, you got to talking about codes that stick with you. Wampa Stampa for Shadows has obviously stuck with me, as well as some StarCraft codes, which unfortunately weren't included in the 64 version. I don't know how anyone got through that version without cheats. Uh, and uh, other codes include the Vector Man's codes, like where you spell out Call a Cab, Abadabba, Abracadabra, and then, uh, yeah, the Diddy and Barrel in Donkey Kong Country. He said, uh, I, I enjoy your roundtable discussions about cheats and would like to submit your next round of table questions. What video game quotes have stuck with you? Whenever I encounter bananas, I usually proclaim, ooh, banana oh, yeah. from Donkey Kong 64. Uh, and I don't know why this would be relevant, but when I call my dad, I sometimes say, Hayata, come in. Uh, just an old inside joke. <laughs> but we've said that back and forth for years. Don't know where it came from, though. Uh, so the question before us, are there any video game quotes that have stuck with us? I mean... They're definitely like the meme ones that I think everyone goes back to. The one I remember that I, I mean, it wasn't a meme one when I, uh, when I first encountered it is I went back and played, was playing the original Metal Gear or mm. the, the one that was released on the NES, um, which is not the same as the one that was released for whatever computer system that came out before. But mm. anyway, um, there's a section like right when you land, the first guy you encounter says, I feel asleep. Mm-hmm. And it's super. Con- it was super confused me because like I was I was pretty young when I played this. Yeah. And I was like, "What's going on?" Like I couldn't understand if he was supposed to. I didn't know. It didn't occur to me that a game could have a typo. Right. Yeah. Um. And so it, I was never clear to me if that line of dialogue was supposed to be. I fell asleep. I am asleep. Yeah. And so it was super vague. And that line is just stuck with me. Of I feel asleep. And like, who is he talking to? And. That one definitely stood out. Okay. Uh. I mean, I'm thinking of 
mine like you know i go with the big ones like the the cake is the lie and all mm-hmm. your bases belong to us and the symphony of the night uh what is what is man but enough talk how about you i mean that's always a great one uh i come up with a lot of like weird little in jokes with friends like for stupid little moments in games like me and Lindsay, ever since we played uncharted 2 together uh we're always saying like the the villain's name in like the thickest, grossest Russian accent we could find. So his name is Lazarevich. So it becomes Lazarevich. That's not a Russian accent. It's not a Russian. That's David Ike, lizard person accent. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Let's just cut this part out. No, I'm trying to control it. Damn it. Okay. Well, my secrets are all the the one that also sticks with me. Thinking about now is Star Fox 64. Obviously, people are familiar with Do a Barrel Roll is a great one. Yeah, but I always remember. Um, in the first level, Falco starts being trailed by these ships, and mm. he's like, "He's like, I got a dude behind me, and then I got a guy behind me, and then if you shoot them, he's like, I guess I should be thankful." And you're like, "Fuck you, Falco! Yes, like, you I, li- I just saved you, and like, it just makes you dislike Falco right from the start." Well, and- he's, he's roguish. He, he's the he's the Dash Rendar of the uh, yeah, Star Fox exactly. universe. Exactly. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean. I- and then, yeah, there's just stupid little debates like uh, uh, I'm constantly discussing with friends if uh, – not constantly. I have more of a life than this. But what they're, just, what they're saying – Our in life the Yoshi- is we just sit around a round table at Steve's house and discuss, and discuss memes and quotes from video games we like. Most specifically trying to figure out uh, if they're saying in Yoshi's story, eat asshole. Yes, uh, I'm sure song? they're saying that. It sounds Steve. like they're saying, oh, asshole. Yeah, so I mean I hear that every time. Oh, God. Oh, Quantum, hold on. We're having one moment, dog one moment. difficulty. All right, dog chaos we, has been averted. We we have not yet. I'm sure we'll have thousands and thousands of quotes once we get into the Gex games. Oh, sure. The love of the most beloved quotes ever. Absolutely, yeah. This is definitely like the N64 was a time when they um, first got voice acting where they're like, hey, we better put some quotes in from these guys. Mm. Um, Earthworm Jim 3D has that a lot. Oh, yeah. Where he yeah. just says the same five things over and over. And they feel and like they're, yeah, yeah. They feel like they're just constantly cramming catchphrases down your throat as fast as they <laughs> and can. And so those definitely, like, stick in my head. Not because they're good quotes, but sure. just because you hear them so much. Or, like, um, everything Bubsy says. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah there's, really there's a level trying. in Earthworm Jim where he refers to it as the Tex-Mex that time forgot. Which means nothing. Um, which is, well, it's a cheese-themed level. Yeah. Um, which was funny the first time I heard it, but not funny the fifth time. <laughs> and one random thing that always comes to me is a, a random one-off line from the game Psychonauts, mm-hmm. which I love to death, uh, where you're going through the training level and your your drill sergeant guy is yelling at you and he says, uh, should we change your name to Joey? Then I can call you Slowy Joey. And I don't know why I, that I bring that up pretty much any time I'm like running with someone and I'm going slightly faster than them. I start calling them Slowy Joey. Nice, uh, I like so, that. Yeah, yeah. Psychonauts, yeah. great game, yeah. amazing game. Uh, well, I believe uh, that puts a cap on Space Station Silicon Valley. Thank you so much to everybody who wrote in. Yeah. That's yeah. always awesome. I love doing that. I love seeing what you guys come up with. So, uh, yeah, keep keep yours, uh, those pens sharpened until the next game I've never heard of, which might be next week because we're playing a game called. 
International Superstar Soccer. Okay, well, I mean, I can infer what those are about. <laughs> International Superstar Soccer. It is a it is a simulation game. It is a, a romance between an entire team of soccer players. No, we're talking about soccer for the first time. Uh, the world sport. The real football, if you will. Uh, so we're going to be uh, digging into that a little bit. Uh, a new sport. It's been a I just, while I just signed sport. up for a soccer league no shit. In, in person, so okay. maybe it'll be timely. It is. And I will come back with injure. I just bought cleats. I will come back with an injured ankle Excellent. and a shattered pelvis and ready to talk about international superstar soccer. I am prepared to interview your pelvis. I'm excited. Excellent. Let's do it. So, all right. Tune in next week for international superstar soccer. We're playing all the games in that series. I think there's three of them. Okay. And, uh, yeah, until then, I am going to detach this part from my brain and throw it into this You're squirrel. Go possess your pillow and go to sleep. I'm going to possess my pillow and go to sleep. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Goodbye. Hey, everybody, I'm just jumping in at the end here because we have a little special. I mean, I guess you could call it a treat if that's something that you're into. But a couple episodes ago, we had somebody write in and said that they uh, isolated some of the audio glitches that we had on some of our episodes and were trying to combine them, searching for some kind of hidden message. And I was just so tickled by that. So uh, uh, that person, Andy Bowman, he did send back that uh, 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 those glitches, and I was just wanted to include them here. Also wanted to give a shout-out to Andy Bowman. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. This is really funny and goofy. And Andy uh, is the co-host of a podcast called Geek 101, so check that one out. Uh, and uh, uh, it's, yeah, I don't know. I... I put this at the end because, yeah, it is a bunch of glitches strung together and it might be unlistenable for a lot of people. But uh, I don't know. I found it really charming and really sweet that uh, our listeners would would kind of find a way to take these glitches, which have been like really, really annoying for me, uh, and, and find a way to just kind of build it into the fabric of the show and make something fun out of it. So... Uh, thank you to Andy and thank you to all of our listeners once again. So the the clips that you're hearing here, it's going to be played four times. So it's going to be one segment that's just the glitched audio spliced together. There's one that's the glitched audio uh, at a .64 speed multiplier. Another one with the audio reversed and then the fourth one with the audio reversed and spliced together separately. So you're hearing a couple of different clips here. So uh, enjoy it. Thank you so much. Yes. Never. Uh, the hardware. Changes the model designs for all the weapons. Never. It's got a little wrapped up on aliens, different things like that. In this version. The hardware. Changes the model designs for all the weapons.